Hello everybody, just before we start the podcast, a quick note from me and the entire Craftcast team. We just want to wish you and your family a really fantastic Christmas and an even happier New Year. We have lots and lots and lots of exciting content to share with you throughout 2023 and beyond. We've got some great guests lined up, really, really exciting times to come. Uh, But before that, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And as I say, once again, have a fantastic Christmas and a brilliant new year. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. Now, today we are going to be looking at Masonic terminology and we will be, well, explaining some common terminology that you may have already heard uh, in the existing episodes of the podcast. And if you're sat there scratching your head thinking, what on earth does that mean? Well, Hopefully this podcast will help you out. As usual, I'm joined by James Dalton. Hello. And Stephen Watley. Hi, guys. Gents, how have you been? Yeah, pretty good, thank you, actually. Um, was suffering with a bit of a cold last time we got together. You, you were, um, yes. But sort of recovered from that now. Are you still contagious? Um, I'd like to think not. It's been a little while, so I, I'd like to think a, I'm healthy. Paint a cross on the door and just leave us here to... No, I'm not going to give you the plague, don't okay, worry. Okay, that's a relief. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm was sat next to and I'm still here and alive so I feel like that's probably a good sign. For now wait for the next episode <laughs> sorry that was sinister wasn't it? <laughs> that was like, that's that a good time. dark turn. That wasn't a threat just saying you know James if he breathes on you then it could be all over. You know if something happens to me you know the first pe- person that the police are going to turn to How's student life Stephen? How is life on campus? Uh, yeah student life is, is good. I feel like we <laughs> we should sort of have a recurring it's turning into a recurring theme that we like have a a short, brief student update. I think it's, and I think it's probably reflected in the fact that I, I long for the days where <laughs> the the thing I most had to worry about was a three thousand word essay. Mm. Um, I miss those days. It's funny how the grass is always greener, right? At, at university, you're like, I want to get out there, be working, be responsible for myself, be able to manage my own money and nah. all that. And <laughs> and <laughs> James is like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine just graduated and she's doing the degree that, that I'm doing. And I was thinking, oh, she, she got a job uh, working in a hospital, doing some lab work that looks really interesting. And then she called me the other day and she's like, I really miss university. I miss being able to not live in the real world. And get up at 11 o'clock every morning. It, I mean, that's optimistic, but sure. Gents, today, this explainer episode, why, James, do we think that this will be useful for our listeners? Well, we're very conscious that we want non-Masons to mm-hmm. listen to the podcast, and there's going to be a lot of new or recently initiated Masons, mm-hmm. we hope, listening as well. Yes. And in previous episodes, we have slipped into using specific Masonic terms, and there's a high probability that a lot of the people listening have no idea what on earth it is that we're talking about. So if that's mm-hmm. you, this episode is for you. Fantastic. Stephen, what do you hope to achieve by the end of this episode? Just a little bit more of a of an awareness as to some of the terms, like we say, that we use and sort of debunk the, the mysteries behind exactly how we speak and some of the language that we use. Well, Stephen, why don't you start us off? So one of the terms that I'm sure we've used, if we were to listen back, our legions of fans, I'm sure, will be, <laughs> able, to, will be able to confirm or deny this. The term worshipful master. What is a worshipful master? So... Obviously, as you guys know, worshipful master being the the head of a lodge. Um, I think when you first, in my experience, 
especially within university, you say that term, people are like, whoa, that sounds a bit odd. Mm. Uh, and I guess it does in normal everyday language. So I think it's quite quite a good first topic of discussion. Yeah. Um, I think the word specifically, the, the key word there that, that people don't generally like is, is worshipful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to, from my understanding of that, is that, and, and I think it also comes up in for, for the Masons uh, among our listeners, will probably remember from the address to the brethren after an installation, uh, a bunch of other terms that we'll probably have to... As much as, as we, we're all equal, at some point someone has to sort of look after the lodge and take charge in that sense. Mm. And so calling them the worshipful master is not necessarily about... Well, it's most certainly not worshiping anyone or anything. No, 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 no. It's it's more about respect for that person who is doing that job for your lodge. Yes, um, a term that we will also discuss, and and also, I mean, it also has sort of uh, historic roots in in Freemasonry anyway, which is sort of where a lot of the language comes from, I think. Um, but and, now it has that more yeah. respectful tone from my point. Of, that's the way I see it, at least. And and for our non-Masonic listeners, how? would one become the worship master or the head of their lodge? Um, well, I, I guess in the same way that you'd become sort of in charge of, of anything, really, in, in terms of you normally, you go through the ranks of of an experience, the different jobs within, within your lodge, the different mm. sort of uh, responsibilities, help out with, within the lodge and, and take on that sort of more senior role. Yeah as you go through over the years and you gain that experience at some point your lodge essentially goes well we feel like you, you're ready to take on that more senior responsible role of looking after our lodge and we trust you and i think it's a really nice mm-hmm. uh, a thing that that when a lodge trusts that person with their lodge because the, the way that our sort of ceremonial stuff works is that can't change pretty much for a year unless something drastic happens mm-hmm. so that really is placing a lot of trust in that person mm. um so i guess in answer to your question you try and enjoy your experience in the lodge take on responsibility as and when you as our program master said in our second episode you know don't take on too much take on what you can when you can mm-hmm. th- so that you still enjoy it and then at some point hopefully you'll you'll feel ready to take on that more senior role so so it's a, it's sort of a it's a progressive thing isn't it in that you start off usually yeah. as sort of uh, what's called the, the steward yeah, which you know that's that's probably the the lowest sort of office within a lodge, isn't it? Yeah, um, um, the the first, not the lowest. That's the wrong term. The first office that one would usually have yeah. in in the lodge when you when you first decide that you want to perhaps get more involved, and then and then there's a sort of route, isn't there, that's sort of set out for you. It's it's sort of weirdly counterproductive. I find that the steward's role, because actually, not not the role itself, but the the t- the idea that that it's the lowest, because like you said, it's it's not, and it actually. A lodge struggles to run without its stewards, and yet it's and yet it's it's you know it's an extremely important role, and yet it's the first one that you get given. I've done my time as a steward, as I'm sure we all have. (laughs) We've all done our time as a steward, but it's a really important role, steward, because it gets you out to know the members of the lodge. You've probably not been in the lodge for very long, typically, and so you get to know everybody's name. You get to know what they're about, what their Mm. interests are what type of wine they like to drink. <laughs> All very important that, that, characteristics. That's probably the main one, isn't it? The and, main then, one. and then, Stephen, obviously, yeah, as you say, you then, you advance through a number of senior positions, sort of climbing that ladder within the lodge until... 
until you get you're, to the point. you're ready, essentially. You get yeah. to the point. And, and what I hear is I'm yet to, to go through the, the chair, as it's called. I'm yet to become a, a worshipful master or a head of, of my group of Freemasons. But I, I hear that actually doing the other roles, and actually, James, I think you're the only one of the three of us that has been through the, that, that position. I hear that doing the other roles is really important to enhance your understanding of the top job. One of the really smart things about Freemasonry, and whoever set this system up hundreds of years ago, these were really intelligent people, Mm. is every role prepares you for the next role. Mm. So once you've been a steward, typically you'd go on to be what's called the inner guard, the person that sits inside the door of the lodge. Mm -hmm. You learn from being inner guard what the person next to you, called the junior deacon, what their role looks like. That is the role that you do next. Mm. And it, it is called progression because you progress through these several offices, but the backwards and forwards and the shadowing you do in those roles prepares you for the next thing. So by the time you get to be worshipful master, you've been through all those jobs, you've done all those elements of the ritual, and you've also kind of grown and learned from those that have gone ahead of you. Mm. You kind of grow up together almost. And I, th- I think that, that you use the term progression, which is the right term in, in this sense, but but also to point out, I think it's important, it's not like a career progression, it's not in that sense, it's progression of your experience and your own Masonic journey and your own learning. Uh, and like you say, you know, from junior to senior deacon, you work very closely together. And I, I always think it's quite nice when you see, uh, because it's not just the, the role, but actually people that are working in those roles when you see people like a junior and senior deacon that go from that and then they go to to junior warden and senior warden at some point at some point mm. they'll be immediate past master and master yeah um and and they sort of go through that journey together and i think i mean i certainly have a sort of a close bond with with the guy in, in my mother lodge who i've done that with mm. uh, and i just think it's quite a nice extra yeah. sort of facet to and, your lodge, yeah. and, and that those the wardens that you talk about again for the, the non-masonic listeners there the, the senior warden is sort of the second most senior office in the yes, lodge yeah. the junior warden is the third most senior office and so we talked about steward earlier you'll progress from being a steward in a guard junior deacon senior deacon junior warden senior warden and then worshipful master that's a typical journey yes some other offices sort of like assistant secretary or charity Mm. steward some lodges will kind of put those in at various points in that process but that's the standard kind of journey that most will go on yeah and it's also important to say just when you've done those it doesn't mean that you know you then drop off the edge you then can become what's called an immediate past master and that's someone who's just done the job of worshipful master. Someone else has taken over now. But their job is very much to, to literally sit next to them and, I guess, help them along, reassure them. Uh, they have a, a guide, a, essentially. A guide, yeah. Someone who's literally just been through the same experience, you know, to sort of help them along. And, and yeah, there's a sort of ceremonial element to it as well. But, but uh, that's really interesting. So thank you for that, Stephen. Mr. Dalton. Yes. Can you? Because uh, I think we used it in our. In I our was scared. Of, yes, it was, was a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what on earth is this? <laughs> Go on. Are you ready? I think so. Degree. That is a very big one to answer. So, I guess the easiest way to think about when we say degree is a level, or a point in your journey. Now, we've just spent some time talking about what we call the lodge officers, which are the administrative functions in in the lodge. Mm-hmm. Degrees are levels of almost 
coming into masonry. They're ceremonies that you go through pretty much immediately and in the preceding year or so after you join. So when we talk about being initiated, that means you have gone through the first degree ceremony. So you become what's called an entered apprentice. Mm -hmm. And then after some period of time, maybe a year, maybe less, you become a second degree Freemason known as a fellowcraft. And there's another there's another ceremony for that, isn't there? There is another ceremony, yeah, that you go through. And then the third ceremony you would go through is the third degree, also known as the Master Mason degree. Um, and that gets you to be what's called kind of a fully-fledged Master Mason. It, it almost, Mason. Yeah, it completes <laughs> the process of joining yes, Freemasonry. Yes, yes, yes. And each of those degrees, each of those ceremonies that you go through has a different life lesson mm. that you're taught. So in the first degree, it's all about birth and coming into the world and realizing that, you know, some people are more privileged than others and it's mm. the responsibility of the more privileged to help the less privileged. Mm. In the beginning. As they say. In the beginning, yeah. yeah. Mm. In the second degree ceremony, it's more about the advantage of education, making the most of education, learning as much as you can through life. Essentially, the the middle stage of your life where you're where you're really sort of yeah living the life as they say, yeah. trying to to take full advantage of of the experiences on offer. Mm. And then in in the third degree ceremony, it's all about getting you to understand that at some point, sadly, we are all going to die. Coming to terms with your own mortality. Yeah, yes. coming to terms with your own mortality, and and everyone's grave is the same size. You, as my parents would say, you can't take it with you. <laughs> um, so it's about you trying to look within yourself and go, you know, what impact can I leave mm. during my time here? How can I be a good and virtuous person so that when I am gone, yes. what's my legacy? And as Stephen says, it's very much an analogy of life, it kind of the birth, yeah. the life part, and then preparing for those those final years of your life. Mm. Um, so that's what the degrees are. Brilliant. Uh, which I think ties into what the, the term that we've used on various occasions throughout this the, the podcast so far that masonic journey mm. um you know it, there's lots of different sort of masonic journeys you go go on in terms of like you said before you become a, a for never better phrase fully fledged freemason when you mm. become a master mason you've gone that that is a journey in itself doing those three degrees but it doesn't just stop there like and i think that's one of the nice things about freemasonry is there is always somewhere else to go with that journey mm. you've got those first three uh, ceremonies, but then you're on the lodge ladder for the officers, and then you go through that journey, mm -hmm. and then after that you might want to join Royal Arch, and mm -hmm. go on that journey and go mm -hmm. through essentially the same thing, have a ceremony that teaches you something new, go through the the officers of of that chapter, etc. There are other side or side degrees that you can then join and do the same thing yet again. Mm. It's important to differentiate between degrees and offices or or, mm. or ranks. We mm. we have different ranks, we have different offices, and different levels of responsibility. But once you've been through that third degree, the Master Mason degree, we are all the same. Mm -hmm. So whether you are the Grand Master or a brand new Master Mason that's just gone through that ceremony, we are all third degree Masons. We are all equal in the eyes of Freemasonry. Yes. Well, I think to go even further than that, every Mason is an entered apprentice. Indeed. Every Mason has white on their apron. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. in the Programme Master, the Grand Master, they, they are entered apprentices first mm -hmm. and foremost. Um, and it, and it, you reminded of that a lot in the ritual, even at the point where, because uh, as part of our sort of um, keeping that that journey almost uh, sacred, for want of a better, you know, for for what it means to us 
and what it means to the individual. You ask people to leave if they they haven't seen that part of the ceremony yet. Mm. And when you say that, you don't say, can all entered apprentices leave? You say, can all those below the degree of a fellow craft leave? Mm. Because we are all entered apprentices. I'm learning. An important distinction, I think. Absolutely. If I'm allowed to say that. No, I, 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 I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. We looked at each other then. Like, uh, <laughs> did I just did I just say something I wasn't allowed to say? Uh, Stephen, what on earth is a festive board? Is it anything to do with Christmas? <laughs> I mean, we do have festive boards at Christmas. But we do, no, but, but I'm talking no. about the festive. <laughs> okay, um, I mean, I think it's actually a really important part of, of Freemasonry. Oh, there, it's not like in in the ceremonies or anything, but we do often say that every meeting has two parts to it. One part is the, the meeting in, in the lodge temple in the room, normally upstairs from where we are sat now. Um, but also the second part, which is the festive board, which is essentially a, a dinner where we eat and drink with our fellow Masons and other people sometimes as well, you know, guests that aren't Masons when we have a white table event or whatever. Mm. Uh, and I think it's a really important equally at least equally important part of freemasonry as the actual ritual and, and all the the ceremonial stuff and the degrees that we were just talking about mm. that we get to spend time talking not about necessarily about freemasonry and getting to know each other on a different level whilst also respecting those same values that, that we have yeah uh, and i think i mentioned previously that that example where we had in a lodge I visited the leader of, of one political party and the leader of another, both in the same lodge, and they'd go to the festive board and they'd have a chat about all things in life and have no issues politically because they don't talk about that. They no. just respect each other's values as Masons mm-hmm. and enjoy each other's company. And, and I think that's that side of Freemasonry is one of the most enjoyable sides for a lot of people, that social side. I agree, and and, and I think we've spoken about this before, but I remember, as, a, as a, the anecdote I told before, where it was at the festive board where I met that chap, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm not going to have anything in common with this person. Yeah. Um, and it was there that I had the opportunity to get to know him and speak to him, and as I said before, you know, he'd been to places I'd never heard of and fought in wars that I'd never heard of, and it was amazing. And I remember coming away from that meeting thinking, number one, which I should have known anyway, you should never judge a book by its cover. And number two, wow, you know, that was a real eye-opener for mm-hmm. me because, you know, that's for me what Freemasonry is all about. I, I, over the course of that meal, got to know someone that I wouldn't, if I saw him in the street, we would just walk past each other, mm. you know, and I would not assume that that was someone I could have a drink with down the pub. We talk a lot uh, about a lot about some of the benefits of Freemasonry being that it's intergenerational and that it's uh, social and it's something to sort of almost get away from the real mm. world for a little while and mm-hmm. enjoy enjoy other others' company, other people that you otherwise wouldn't probably wouldn't meet. Mm. And I think the first board that that dinner that you all have together is probably where most of that is is yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. Um, without that, you wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't get to know that intergenerational aspect of your lodge and of your of Freemasonry mm. if you didn't get a chance to sit down and have a meal with them. It's it's slightly less formal than the ceremonial aspect of the meeting. Yes, that first part. A lot of the less formal. Um, I'd say you get to have that sort of one-on-one conversation, meet other brethren, yeah. maybe somebody who you haven't sat next to in the actual lodge room because of their office or whatever it may be, um, but also it. 
there are speeches that are given. You thank visitors from other lodges for coming to visit your lodge. Mm. If you have a candidate who's just been initiated, the person who proposed them will give a speech about that person and why they felt they would make a great Freemason. Um, and they'll be given a chance to respond. And that's all part of that personal development stuff that we've spoken about before, the the opportunity to build your confidence in public speaking. And yes. um, we also sing the national anthem as well and, and, and give a toast to the, the king. Mm. Um, so for those that, that like that slightly formal aspect of, of, of dining as well, I think the festive board's a great structure. And yeah. if you miss that maybe from dates in the military or, or school or whatever it may be it's always a good part of the meeting i think mm. i absolutely agree and of course you're forgetting the raffle yes do you love a good raffle uh, who doesn't love a raffle does anybody else have a brother in their lodge who always seems to win the raffle we have a, a past master in my lodge who i would say that five out of six meetings he always wins the raffle is this something that needs some sort of internal investigation <laughs> are we suggesting that he's Fixing it to win the box of quality street. Absolutely, absolutely not. I, I don't think he's fixing it. I think that fate is in his favor. What's the brother's name? Sorry, that's the <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, worshipful brother Peter Wright, who was actually Peter. my proposer into Freemason. Oh well, yeah. hello Peter, uh, if you're listening. He even won it on the night we gave him his fiftieth year long service certificate Lovely. to celebrate fifty years, and it was not a fix. He genuinely won it. It's like a blessing that he has. The magic touch. The magic touch. I think at my initiation, people were a little bit <laughs> sceptical because my father was uh, just uh, initiated me from the chair and he uh, like mixed the numbers, pulled out the, uh, got got a guest to pull out the, the raffle number. Uh, the guest was my grandfather who pulled out my number. Fix. That's a lot like a fix. Then I pulled out my dad's number, then he pulled Uh, out my granddad's number. I think this definitely needs (laughs) some sort of um, investigation. Honestly, you should be ashamed of yourself. What did you win? Did you win anything good? Um, I really should remember that. I think it was a bottle of champagne. Very nice. Better better raffle prize than I've ever won. Bottle of Carver, something like that. I've got loads of bottles of whiskey in my cupboard at home that I've won in raffles. I I kind of need to... I'm not a really whiskey drinker. The raffle cupboard. So I I think I need to re-donate them. Christmas presents. Oh, absolutely. For us. Oh, okay. I'll (laughs) I'll bear that in mind. Um, Definitely Craft cars specifically. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, James, this is a word that we've used a lot already, this episode. Lodge. Yeah, Lodge is a really interesting one. And and this is probably more aimed at the non-Masons listening, this explanation. Yes. A lot of people think that a Lodge is the building that we meet in. That's not. That's just the Masonic Hall or the Masonic Centre. Yes. The lodge, I think a lot of new Masons get that. That is true, actually, well, yeah. To be fair. The, the Lodge is the collection of Masons. Yes. So it's the group of Masons that meet. And in one Masonic Centre, you might have three, four, five, a dozen different lodges Mm. that all meet in that Masonic Centre at different times during the month or throughout the year. So the the, the lodge is the the collective group of you together, that group of officers, that group of brothers who meet on that set night. It isn't actually the building or the room itself. It's the group of you as a collective. You've explained that better than I think I've ever heard it ever explained before. So congratulations. Better than the definition. Not to be confused with the lodge room, though. Ah. Because lodge room <laughs> is the name of the room with the black and white carpet. Yes. Where we do the ceremonial. Where lodges meet, where groups of Freemasons meet. That's right. 
lodges meet in a lodge and room inside like a, a school of fish. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Sorry. Like the, your school of fit, like a, a gr- <laughs> when you say a group, is a group of, you know, I was saying like a school of fit. Right, sorry, yeah, I'm with you. I just, <laughs> he's, he's I going back to the, fish, um, sort of <laughs> he's going back to the suggestion of dolphin for the podcast. Yeah, this is one. it. This is it. Oh, a pod dear. of dolphins. Oh. Of- <laughs> but actually, in, in, in a way, that's that's the way to think about it. The lodge is that collective noun for that. Group yeah, of I was actually making a point. I wasn't James. just talking God, about fish for talking no about reason. Fish. What on earth has happened? I was actually podcast. trying to make a half half intelligent point. That Stephen's like, we don't talk enough about fish. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to change from the Mediterranean. That, so. Yeah, so. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and of course, James, you can also be a member of more than one lodge, can't you? You can, and. Typically, the process is that once you've been through those three degrees we spoke about earlier, so you're a master mason, you get what's called a Grand Lodge certificate, which is almost like a, they they refer to it as being a passport in Freemasonry, enables you to go and join other Mm -hmm. craft lodges. Um, So yes, you can join several lodges, maybe in your same town or in a different town, and it really allows you to broaden your Masonic horizons and, and meet other Freemasons. And, yes. and the ritual can be slightly different from lodge to lodge. Yes. And it gives you some exposure to that. Without giving away anything, because, and, and when we say that, we don't want to give away anything, it's because we don't want to ruin the experience for anyone who wants to join. It's like knowing the, the ending to a book before uh, reading it. Kind yeah, of thing. exactly that, Stephen. Um, what would happen in a regular lodge meeting? Like in a standard lodge meeting, what, what would someone expect to happen in that? It's really made up of two main parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part is the ceremonial aspect, which is where we put on our regalia, yep. so the aprons and collars. You yep. may have seen pictures of Freemasons wearing, and we do the ceremonial, so the initiation or the raising or the passing, the ceremonies we spoke about when we refer to degrees. And then the second part is what Stephen was saying, which is the festive board, where we just sit in our suits, mm-hmm. have the meal, have a good conversation now in the actual first part the ceremonial yes it's really broken down into two main pieces the first like any organization we do the business elements so the accounts the minutes of the last meeting reporting on you know anything we want to donate money to charity for announcing any other business any other business proposing new candidates and then the second part of it the bigger part of the meeting is where we actually do those ceremonies of bringing somebody in and a raising them or passing them or we change the worshipful master Mm. and we we go through that it's called installation it's a once a year event in every lodge where typically the officers move up that ladder to the next lodge office yeah okay and you touched there on uh, regalia for 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 those of us uh that, that perhaps aren't you know as i say aren't freemasons regalia there's a few different bits to it, isn't there? In, in, in the, so, so the obvious yeah. one that I think comes to mind for a Freemason is an apron. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Freemasons wear aprons, James, is it not? It sort of has our links to the stonemasons. And the idea pretty much, being... In, sorry, jumping yeah. in. I, was, I think pretty much all of our regalia has links to... Yes. Links to Yes, that, I, I think so. So, for example, if you imagine medieval stonemasons, you know, were dealing with sharp tools, you know, sort of heavy rocks... If you were dealing with that sort of thing, you, you would want to wear an apron to protect yourself, to protect your clothes. Indeed. Those sorts of things. Gloves as well, which you, you may have seen Freemasons. We were, Freemasons, we wear gloves, again, to protect your hands. It was an important bit of kit in those days. So so really for us, although, as we've already touched on, one's apron now denotes perhaps sort of seniority, the level of advancement that you've that you've had within Freemasonry. Level of experience you have, level of I ex- guess. Yeah, yeah, level of experience. But, you know, you will have people who've been in for a long time that 
yeah. haven't got, you know, a certain apron, but that's not necessarily a, a reflection on, on them. It may just be that they have chosen not to be as involved well, by as experience, I, I sort of meant more as in the job that you've that you've done and the experience you have in that job more than sort of yes. how long you've been in Freemasonry as a whole. Yes, like I, I obviously don't have a lot of uh, as much experience as someone who's been in mm. well as you guys who've been in uh, longer than myself. Yeah, but I guess I would have more experience in the comms role than James because yeah. I'm a comms officer. But James, where's yes. uh, where's the DCs? Uh, I'm know, with you. Yeah, that's because fair. he has experience in that dc role yeah 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 and 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 you know actually it's nice i think it's one of the things i find appealing is that you have those direct connections with our our heritage Mm. as as an organization well and and the you know i quite like also the symbolism behind it of there is a reason why there is something on all of the regalia there is always a reason that there's that it's on there so for example the gloves being white is to sort of denote our purity as freemasons rather than stonemasons yeah now um so so all, all these little things have you know that there, there's always more learning to be done with these things which is quite a nice part of freemasonry as well you yes. never re- the program master said himself there's still stuff that he's learning oh yeah he's the most senior well uh, alongside the grandmaster you know that, that, that we have so yeah. some something uh, again that that obviously We've discussed we're not a political organisation, we're a non-political organisation, we're a non-religious organisation. That being said, there is a requirement, isn't there, that you have to believe in something greater than yourself. I guess it's more a-religious and a-political, as in, because I think... Definitely I, non-political, I would say. Yeah, well, because what I would say, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that, that anything that's sort of seen as divisive... Yeah. in society we don't really want to yeah well i i think it's it's not well, a controversial statement to say that the two things which usually divide people the most yes are political disagreements yes or religious yes. disagreements yeah. and and that's part of the reason why in freemasonry we are non-political yes. and and non-religious well, yes. m- what i was getting at i guess is which i sort of didn't really explain is that not when i say when you might say non-religious it sort of implies yeah you can't be religious when it's yes. when when it's not really that it's just no. it has nothing to do like that's why I said no, a, because yeah, it has not, nothing not to relevant, do with Freemasonry yeah, really yeah. it's irrelevant and yet a belief in a supreme being is a requirement isn't indeed it? Yeah. yeah and and that that's that that I mean for example I think of my own lodge that could be any number of different deities gods whatever it may be as long as it's a belief in something greater yourself apart from the obvious one, which is sort of Satanism, you know, that sort of thing, mm. is, is is not allowed. Absolutely. But a benevolent supreme being. Yeah. I, I, a question that I sort of see a lot from it within the university scheme is, it is essentially why we need why we need that. Mm. And the, the my take on that, at least, is that it's more about not seeing yourself as the most important thing. I think that's right. Yeah. Since yeah. sliced bread, you know, you're not you're not. Yeah. the be all and end all yeah. of this world and and so and and when you hear the word god or or that supreme being in any of the ritual mm. i think what's important is that you're in your own head if nothing else you replace that with what your understanding of that is yeah that you replace yeah. that with your understanding of i am not this is you know whether it, that be the greater good or a particular god of, mm. of a particular religion you replace that with your understanding of it and that in that way it becomes can become a very personal experience i think it's about a belief in something greater than yourself and it's up to you as the individual to determine 
what that looks like i think that's the mm. most important yeah exactly thing. um and, and in my experience one of the really great things about freemasonry we, we've already spoken haven't we about how religion and politics tend to divide people yeah typically mm. in freemasonry i can be have somebody from one faith on my right from a completely different faith on my left me of a again a different faith in the middle and we're all equal and we're all the same and we all come together yes. as equals and I, I genuinely don't think there's a huge amount of organizations out there that can claim that yeah no absolutely and the, and the term supreme being is purposefully ambiguous yeah and it's it's pro, it's purposely phrased in that way to to be fully inclusive so you could be a, a, a Christian or a Muslim or a Sikh or Hindu or a Jewish, whatever it may be. And actually, there isn't even a requirement for you to be a practicing member of any of those faiths. As long as you profess a belief you, in You don't even need to be a member of any, like no, practicing or As long as you believe like, in something yeah. greater than yourself, that that is enough. And I think that's an important point to clarify because I know, Stephen, as you said, you know, you have the experience. I think we've all had it. That's often a question that people ask, isn't it? You know, yeah. is that an, is that a requirement? Yeah, and why? I guess and why? Is because yeah. because the natural assumption when you do something like that, when when you say something like that, is oh well, it's got to be religious. It's got to be that you're like sort of worshiping some higher power, and it's not at all like that. So, we've been through a few phrases in this explainer episode, but as we go through the series, I'm sure there are going to be more phrases and words that we use. Yes, that our listeners are probably going to think, oh. What on earth are they referring to? So, Stephen, do you want to talk about our idea for an explainer yeah. page? Well, I think maybe we could we could have some sort of glossary of, of podcasting terms uh, that we put up maybe on Ujilly website, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, so that maybe when people are listening, they can just see, uh, you know, have a page up that they can refer to, a glossary, as I said, to, to go and have a look and see what on earth we're talking about. I think that would be a really good idea. And for our listeners, you know, what do you want us to explain? Get in touch with us, ugle underscore Grand Lodge on Twitter, podcasts at ugle.org.uk. Let us know what terms and explanations you want us to include on that page. Yeah, and do you think it's a good idea? Would you like to see a podcast explainer? Sounds good to me, gents. And, yeah, leave it with us. See See what we can do. Fingers crossed. Hopefully everyone... Hopefully everyone agrees. Get in touch. Get in touch. Well, listen, everybody, we very much appreciate you being with us today. We hope that you found this useful, Masons and non-Masons alike, and we cannot wait to be with you again. So, everyone, until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for your time. See you guys. Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. The podcast is hosted by Sean Butler, Stephen Watley, and James Dalton. The producer is Marta Zandri. And the podcast is edited by Trisonic. <laughs>